0: Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Hi, I'm Bob. I've known uh, Colby and the team at Live Free Church for years and I'm glad to be with you. I've been praying for you guys as you as you uh, have launched this new venture to reach the city of Kelowna with the love of Jesus. And uh, I'm out here from Sycamus today, and I'm really glad to be here. Uh, Colby kind of gave me a passage of Scripture from First Peter that uh, was kind of one of those passages was like, really? He gave me this passage, Colby? And I'm like, it's about slavery. Well, the good thing about preaching through the Bible is, is that when you preach through the Bible, you have to uh, cover a lot of different topics. You don't know, just to cover the comfortable ones, and um, and so from First Peter chapter two verses eighteen to twenty two, that's where we're going to be today, and we're going to be talking about the real life context that Peter's church was was in at the time, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that slavery was a real thing. So um, I'm just going to start reading the Word of the Lord, and this is from. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. See what I mean? This is not an easy verse to preach on because when you, when you read this, it's against all of our sensibilities. And uh, the fact of the matter is that in Peter's day and age, um, in Peter's world that he was writing these letters to the Christians in, many of them were slaves. Slavery was real and a part of everyday life. You and I are blessed to live in um, a place where slavery has mostly been abolished completely. And uh, in the world that Peter lived in, slavery was normal. People were slaves just like people have dogs and cats and cows and cows. They were they were slaves. They had no rights. They were the property of their owner, and uh, Peter was trying to help people who were Christians who were slaves. And this is the world, the broken world that Peter had the task of writing this letter to, people who were literally property of someone else, had no rights, and uh, Peter had been up close and personal to slavery his whole life because he lived in a world where people were slaves in a land occupied by Rome. So Peter's people in Israel were, people grew up as slaves of Rome, and uh, they barely eked out an existence under Roman law. The taxes were brutal. We're not talking about a fair tax at all. So Peter would go fishing, for instance, and uh, he'd come home with a catch, and he'd hardly get to keep any of the money. He had to give so much tax to Rome. And Peter grew up seeing people he loved arrested um, because they couldn't pay their taxes. He lived in a world where his family suffered all the time. Peter, when we first meet him in the Bible, he's one of the earliest followers of Jesus. He's fishing at the time, and he's feisty. He had a lot of fight in him. This is probably because he grew up in a world where you had to be tough-minded and thick-skinned in a world where... People were your oppressors since you were a baby. And Peter saw for years his people under the Roman thumb and under this oppression, and they're just learning how to survive. And uh, Peter meets Jesus, and for the first time he sees how God would handle life down here as a slave because Jesus, too, grew up in a world where he had to pay taxes to Rome and would walk the road, and he would see people probably people he knew who were being crucified by the hundreds. They said in the Bible that Pilate was responsible for thousands of crucifixions. Jesus grew up in a cruel world, and Peter got to see how Jesus would handle this. And after hanging out with Jesus for three years, and then um, Peter becoming an apostle or a person that would build the church under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words, to real people who are real slaves who grew up in this place. Now, we all know slavery is wrong. Okay, That's the first thing we have to really focus in on. We know slavery is wrong. So Peter is not condoning slavery when he tells people they need to listen to their masters. We have to remember that Peter was writing to people who were slaves, and it doesn't mean Peter thought it was okay. He was trying to essentially tell them how to survive and even thrive in their situation. And now, you know, because Christians want people to be free, because if you have the heart of Jesus, you actually want slavery to end. There were people in recent history, William Wilberforce and Abraham Lincoln, who who loved Jesus, who were Christians that wanted slavery to end. And so they worked for it to end and abolish it. Slavery was shut down because Christ and his spirit was in men like Abraham Lincoln and William Wilberforce. And so they, they work to end slavery. And um, Jesus wants slaves to be free. But in a world that it took centuries for that evil to get entrenched where people became property of other people, it took centuries to get out of that and to get to the place where it is today where there are still modern-day slaves and there's missions like International Justice Mission, World Vision, Compassion, Um, international that literally go with police and lawyers into cities to free slaves because Jesus wants people free. So that's important to remember. And um, so we're not saying slavery is okay. And we ourselves are even aware of the fact that we really don't want to be buying clothes that we know are made by children who are essentially slaves because they're making pennies a day to make our clothes um, affordable. So we have to keep that in mind, is that we don't, want to be okay with slavery. So that's not what the Bible's saying. And Peter um, had a a colleague named Paul who was another apostle who actually, if you read the book of Philemon, Paul is actually writing this Christian Philemon who had slaves. And um, Paul was asking Philemon to set a runaway slave free named Onesimus. And um, Paul wrote Philemon and said, Onesimus is no longer a slave to you. He's more than a slave. He's a beloved brother in Christ. Paul says, especially to me, because Paul had met this man Onesimus, and now he will mean much more to you, Philemon, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So Paul was asking Philemon to not be a Christian who had a slave named Onesimus, but to set him free. And um, history actually does have stories of good slave owners that actually... um, Redeemed their slaves out of slavery and adopted them into their family. and uh, But we know that most of the time when humans were slaves, they were treated poorly and um, like animals by the people that owned them. And Peter is actually writing to Christians who were slaves under the treatment of uh, unfairness and cruelty. And so he's trying to help them survive that. Now, um, let's say we're putting you and me in the context that Peter's writing to 2,000 years ago. Let's say that you were born a slave, that your mom and dad were slaves, your grandparents were slaves under Roman occupation, and uh, you come across the teachings of Jesus like so many people did in Rome, and you become a Christian, you become a Christ follower. And uh, But the fact of the matter is the law is that you are a slave, and you're not gonna get out of it. Now you maybe have to ask yourself the question, what would you do? And so Peter's writing to slaves that are real people in a real time and trying to give them the goods on how to survive. Because you are a slave, and this is the reality. It's not going to change. So Peter's saying you you should submit to your masters because uh, with all respect, he's asking them to respect cruel people. Now, that's a really hard thing to do. But Peter was saying, do what they tell you. Not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they're cruel. Now, why was Peter saying this? Well, Peter was saying this, like we said before, to teach them survival skills and also to teach them how to become somebody that would chip away at the dark situation they were in with the character and the love of Jesus. And we're going to go on and talk about that. So Peter's next question is, what do you do if you're a slave? With a cruel master, so how do you maintain a good witness for Jesus if you're a Christian slave? Think about that. Think about what it would have been like to be an African American slave in the U.S. We have so many great songs that were written by Christians who were slaves and focused on Jesus and how he survived and uh, how to thrive in that context. And we have so many great Christian leaders that emerged who were slaves. And uh, people like Harriet Tubman, who actually helped free slaves and get them to freedom in Canada. And you see, we live in a real-world situation that Peter tells people who are slaves, and he, their coach, is trying to help them um, see actually their slavery as a mission field. That's a weird thing to say, but Peter knew that these people could make a difference, even if they were slaves. And so uh, we have to remember that Christianity has always been subversive. Okay, so Peter is actually teaching these folks how to subvert the system that they were in and uh, make progress. And uh, Christians are kind of like ninjas or spies or saboteurs. And we sabotage this, this current system we live in through uh, planting bombs of love and, and literal explosive devices of good deeds to undermine the system that we live in. And Christians actually took down slavery by being Christ-like. And when, they, when, they, when Christianity first started, 200 years later, Rome had be, essentially become a Christian nation because they had such Christ-like character that people couldn't argue with, um, with Jesus and, and the way that he lived. And uh, Christianity took down Rome with no violence, with just love and truth and good deeds. And so Peter's actually helping Christians chip away at the darkness with this advice. And it's counterintuitive, but we have to remember the Bible says everything's an upside-down kingdom. The first will be last, and the last will be first. So we gotta keep that in mind. So even though you're a slave, one day you won't be, and the scales will be tipped in our favor because God wants freedom. The poor would become rich, the rich would become poor. This is the kingdom of Jesus that we're talking about. So Um, The the fourth thing I want to mention is reminding us what Colby talked about a couple weeks ago, that right now we're temporary residents and foreigners here on earth. And what Peter would remind the slaves is that their slavery was temporary, that this wasn't going to be forever. And um, remember when Peter was telling us how to be careful to live properly among unbelieving neighbors. And even if they accuse you of doing wrong, They will see your honorable behavior, and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world because you represented him well. So Peter is just carrying on that advice to people who are slaves. And uh, Peter also reminded Christians that for the Lord's sake, we're to humble ourselves to all human authority, um, whether the king, the head of the state, or the officials that he's appointed. The fact is that we think we're free, okay? Canadians are free, right? Americans are free. But the reality is is that we're all slaves in different ways. Now, what do I mean by this? Um, Right now, no one owns us per se. We're not human property of someone else, and we're grateful to be living in a place where that's the truth. But you actually can't say no to paying your taxes, or you'll get thrown in jail. You actually can't drive however you want perpetually and not um, have it catch up with you, right? You can't Tell your boss, I'm not coming to work if you want to keep your job. So we're all slaves to different things, right? We're free in many ways compared to Christians in Peter's day, but we are indeed free in a lot of ways. But the fact of the matter is we're all submitting to some human authority and to the government. So we are slaves in in some ways, right? So it does translate to today's modern context a little bit by teaching us how to be like Jesus under the authority of someone else, maybe even someone that we disagree with. So remember also that Peter wrote to free people. Some of them were even slave owners. And uh, Peter reminded them that even you who are free, even you who are slave owners, are actually slaves to God. You can't live however you want. Um, You've got to live like Christ and respect everyone Even a king like Caesar, now get this, Jesus did say, you pay to Caesar what is Caesar's. So Jesus lived in a world where he paid taxes. He didn't have to, he owned the world, right? He's the king of the universe in human skin, but he submitted himself to Caesar. And remember that Christians endured Rome so well that within 200 years they had taken down Rome with the way they lived. And that even meant submitting to unjust rulers, and so Peter's reminding us to be like Jesus. And verse 19 says that God is pleased when conscious, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. And he reminds them, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. So he's telling them to live right. But he says, remember, first, God is pleased when we live like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He endured Unjust treatment, even from his own family. There's there's uh, passages of scripture that remind us that even his brothers and sisters mocked him, and didn't believe who he was till after the resurrection. And um, th- the seventh thing to remember is God is pleased when we live like Jesus, knowing God's in control. We're conscious of His will. So Jesus allowed Himself to be put under the authority of sinful men, even religious leaders and Roman authorities who were unjust. But Jesus did that because he knew that was going to take down evil. And he endured beatings and he did nothing wrong. He endured the unjust death on the cross. And what that did was take down evil and break its back. And uh, because Jesus remembered the sovereignty of God, that God is actually in control. And even though right now there's injustice and you might be a victim of it, One day it's going to be set right. And Jesus saw through the cross that was an unjust punishment where he died like a slave. And Philippians 2 says, now he's exalted to God's right hand because Jesus saw through the suffering to the fact that God was in control. You and I need to keep our eyes on that, that God is in control. That This is actually going to get fixed one day. It's going to a a place that will actually be good. Um, My daughter's... Uh, Two of them right now are are with us for the summer in between semesters. They really value what Colby said a couple weeks ago in his sermon, that to be a cashier at a store is not a demeaning position where people actually do treat you like a slave. My daughter Emily told me that if you want to know anything about a person's character, just watch how they treat a cashier. And um, they've had people yell at them because the sale was over yesterday and people bring in a flyer and they say, why aren't you giving me these tomatoes for 50 cents off? And the girls say, well, sir, the, uh, the flyer states that the sale was over yesterday. And they get yelled at for stupid things because people treat cashiers like slaves. So when Colby preached about how you can actually make a difference by doing a job like being a cashier, it really inspired my girls that they can shine the light for Jesus, even in the middle of being treated like they're just a cog in a machine and they don't matter. So let's... A, be conscious of the fact that we better treat people in the service industry really well, and B, if you're in the service industry and you put up with jerks, you can put up with jerks like Jesus did and actually shine a light in a dark place. Remember God's in control. Remember um, the story of Joseph from the Bible. Maybe you've never read it, but it's a true story about a young man who was actually sold as a slave into Egypt, and for the better part of 15 years, that boy was a slave he endured unjust treatment at the hands of one slave owner who accused him of doing wrong when he never did anything wrong. Then he was thrown into prison. And, but later, God turned that around and made Joseph a prime minister of Egypt. And because of that, because he endured the slavery, God put Joseph in a place where he literally saved thousands and thousands of lives. Because of his wisdom that God gave him, Joseph stored up food in Egypt, which had bumper crops for seven years, so he could feed thousands of people seven years later when a massive famine hit the land, and he even was able to save the brothers that sold him into slavery. So remember the story of Joseph, and read it, because there's a man that was a slave and had to endure unjust treatment, and it turned around for the good of literally the whole world. And remember, Jesus knew that God was in control, and that the plan was that he would suffer unjustly. And at the hands of sinful men, it would end up where you and I are sitting here today, saved because Jesus had the, um, the backbone to submit himself to God in an unjust situation, knowing it would turn around for the good of the world. Peter's reminding folks not to give up, to hang in there, to keep their eyes on Jesus. Peter was asking us to focus on pleasing God, not men. So let's say you're in a situation where somebody's actually asking you to do some hard things and they're actually being a little cruel. Peter's asking you to keep your eyes on the fact that you're serving God and not them because God has allowed you to be in that situation. I think what Peter was getting at was um, that if you're scrubbing floors, you're scrubbing floors for Jesus. Now, let's say Jesus, our king, because you're a believer and you want to submit yourself to him, you believe Jesus is Lord, that he's moved into a house in Kelowna and he's asked you to mow his lawn or asked you to scrub the floors in his house. I don't think anybody that, that is a Christian would mind going over to Jesus' house and, and scrubbing his floors for him. And what Peter's asking us to do is keep that picture in your mind, that you're doing it for him, not for men. Um, Sandra and I have watched a whole series and even a movie at a the theater called Downton Abbey. And uh, uh, my brother told me it was good. I was like, what's a show about servants in England 100 years ago? got to do with anything. You actually really get into the show because you're getting into the lives of the people who are servants for these aristocrats, these people of royalty. And you're seeing what it was like. And I think what you got to keep in mind when you're serving Jesus is remember that you're his servant. He's the king. I'm not. And it's actually a privilege for me to live As a servant of Jesus. Now, we know Jesus is a good master. He's not cruel and unfair. But uh, sometimes when you serve cruel and unfair people, you're doing it to his glory. And again, that's really hard for the North American mind to get your mind around that because we're people who have a pride, right? And we should. We should know slavery is wrong. But we also know that we live in a broken world and we can trust Jesus, who's our King, to take care of us. Now, um, remember the future. Remember again what I said before. This isn't going to last forever. Whatever your situation is, the last will be first. So if you're the last right now in a situation, one day you'll be first, right? Submit yourself to Jesus like he did to evil men, and now he's exalted to the right hand of God. So keep that in mind. I've known... Missionaries who have endured unjust treatment, I know one couple that went to work with orphans in Africa, and they would they would work with the poor and take care of them. And they were mocked by the people of the town and accused of things they didn 't do just for doing the right thing and uh, their houses their house was literally hit by lightning three times i don 't think that uh the enemy was happy with them serving. So they were, they were, endured unjust treatment. The, the refrigerator died like three times in a row, and these folks were just trying to do something good. They had all the bad luck. They lost a daughter overseas because they were there serving people. And the darkness wasn't happy about it, but they made a lot of difference in these people's lives, and they shed the light of Jesus. Think about Mother Teresa, who endured unfairly, unfair treatment for years, barely having enough to eat, for herself, hardly sleeping while she served the poor in Calcutta and the dying. Um, Her wage and holidays were not enough to ensure that she had good physical well-being or enough time to mentally recharge her batteries, but she did it for Jesus. Her book um, about being a slave to the poor, get that, is called Loving Jesus because she knew she was making a difference in the world by doing something hard, And we in North America have to steel ourselves a little bit because we have it so good. So we can endure a little bit of injustice in order to bring the light of Jesus to the people around us. Um, in In a work setting, be one of the people that won't gather in a huddle at the lunch break and complain about the boss. Think about that. Think about people who have made a big difference in the world and compare your situation to theirs. Perspective is everything, right? Now, Remember Peter's word to free people again, that you're actually a slave to the living God, that he's the king and you and I aren't. So we have to keep that in mind. Remember God's using this passage to us today, even though we're not slaves like the folks he was writing to. And remember what Peter said, "'If you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, "'God is pleased with you, for God called you to do good, "'even if it means suffering in hard times.'" Just as Christ suffered for you. And there's the key. Again, God called you to do good, but just like Jesus suffered for you, suffer a little while for him. And Peter's asking you to steal yourselves if you're suffering. and Remember that you're in good company. You're in the company of the God-man, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as a ransom for many. And so remember that what you're doing is being like him. And he was accused of wrong, even though he never did a wrong. And uh, remember that even though you'll be mocked for doing something right and working hard for other people, you will be uh, mocked for it. Last week, um, it was Canada Day, and um, my friend Jermiko and I and uh, many people in the church put in a lot of hours to put together four floats for the Canada Day Parade. Normally, every two years we do a A fun um, outreach called Sycamouse where you effectually run Disneyland in the backyard of the school to cheer up the town and to let them know that the church loves them and God loves them. Um, We couldn't do it because of COVID-19, so um, when we found out the district of Sycamouse was going to do a uh, parade for Canada Day um, and they asked us would we consider moving our Sycamouse stuff into the parade, um, we did it. One guy in the church worked hard. He made this amazing Star Wars float. Um, it's just, it looks like an Imperial cruiser. He even built the laser gun on the front of it, and we had R2-D2 in there and stormtroopers, and, and um, it, we had music playing. We had a Disney character flow. We had princesses. A guy built a castle in the church for the princesses to stand by. We, were, we all worked hard on this thing, and what it did was going through the residential streets where people could safely watch a parade from their driveway, um, it cheered everybody up, and it, it just told the, ch- the town that the church loves them. We didn't put signs on the side of the floats that said um, SEC Sycamus or Shoeswalk Community Church. We didn't put signs on the float that say Jesus loves you because the people knew the church was doing this, so we knew that we didn't have to do that. We were just trying to make people smile, and we all need smiles in the middle of this pandemic, right? And uh, I get to my council meeting on Wednesday night, and there's a letter from a guy in town who is mad that the church, that the District of Sigmoose would dare involve the church in in a parade. And I thought to myself, if this is an example of people that worked like slaves to put on something that would make people smile and were being treated unfairly for this, and that's a very small thing, and we can brush it off as this guy's a sour grape, actually he's probably just mad at God, and that's why he didn't like the fact that the church was in his face um, going through the streets of Sycamus. But sometimes when you try and do the right thing to, to love people, to, to shed the light of Jesus on, on a dark spot in society, in, in a time of history that's hard, you'll be criticized for it. Jesus is our example. We keep our eyes on him. Um, sometimes people who are supposed to have your back will back out and leave you alone, and you'll be the one doing all the work. When you get to a place where you're working hard, you sometimes will get no thanks for it. But just picture Jesus. Picture what he went through for you and I. When you work for Jesus, remember that if your master suffers, there's going to be times you do too. Jesus said a student is not above his master. We have to keep that in mind. And remember that God called you to do good even if it means a little bit of suffering. And uh, think about the fact that the Bible tells you That in a world system dominated by sin and darkness, there's gonna be some tough times, but on the other side of it, you will be the candle lit in the middle of the darkness. And remember that He is our example. So we gotta follow in His steps. And that means we're gonna do some things that are hard. And He never sinned or deceived anybody in the middle of it. Jesus shone in the middle of a hard time for Himself. So keep your focus on the example of Jesus, folks. Let's keep our eyes on him. Like the Bible says, he's the author of our faith and he's the finisher of our faith, which means we're going to a good place that it's going to work out and follow in his steps. He saved us by dying to self. I remember uh, the first time I went on a Mexico missions trip with the youth group in 2010, 10 years ago. And um, young David McMaster, who and young Levi who works with Live Free Church were, were younger men at the time when we were all together down there in Mexico. And I remember that we would take these inflatables into these dusty towns and uh, we would do these outreaches and have fun. And it, it, sometimes it was a lot of work and hot weather. And, and, uh, but I remember the, the sticker above the bus door when we would get out of the bus to set up for an outreach and the sticker said, Die to Self. Because right now, when you're getting off this bus, you're representing Jesus, and you're here to make a difference, even if it means you're going to work like a slave today. So die to self. And again, that totally goes against the North American mindset and our ego. But Jesus saved us by dying to self. And we can make a difference in the world by dying to ourselves too. So keep your focus on him. Remember, he served the unjust king in our culture You might be working for someone who's unjust, but be like him. Um, Peter's asking you to remember that you will ultimately win when you temporarily lose. So you got to keep your mind on that focus. And remember that to do this, you're going to have to become a student of the one who did it. His name is Jesus. You're going to have to enroll in the school of of becoming like him. That means some of the lessons are going to be hard. Nobody that becomes um, really good at what they're doing gets there by ease, right? Um, And so, when there's pain, there is gain. When you when you study the life of Jesus and want to be like him, you've got to be obsessed. One guy said, "Have the magnificent obsession of of Christ. Follow his example. Look at how he lived his life. He lived his life simply." He lived his life um, in submission to unjust men. He lived his life as a leader, showing people how to love difficult people. Remember what Bob Goff says, right? Love difficult people because you are one. So you might have a hard time right now uh, submitting to your boss. You know what? You wouldn't be a perfect boss either. You might think you would, but if you were a boss, there'd be people grumbling about you because... Guess what? You're a difficult person. You might not think so, but you are. So love even the difficult people. And um, ask him to give you wisdom in your given situation. And ask him, please help me think of this situation like you would. Help me see it the way you would, Jesus. And um, study him. Study him. Be obsessed with Jesus. And if you're actually a slave in modern-day society, maybe you're watching this and you're in a part of the world where you're actually a slave, you need to try and get free because the law is on your side. So if you're actually a slave, get out of it. And if you're actually working for an unjust boss that's actually hurting people and um, emotionally abusing people, and this is a real thing, and everybody in the organization knows it, talk to HR. I'm not asking you to be a doormat for cruelty, but I'm asking you, even in the middle of that, when you approach the situation, you maybe you have to approach HR We're asking you to think like Jesus would in that situation. And remember um, to keep him on your side. To keep your eyes on him, rather. Keep him in your sights. So remember, you're in good company if you're in a difficult situation. And remember to keep your eyes on him. And when he was persecuted for doing right and suffered at the hands of unjust men, he did it so that we could be justified. And that uh, keep your eyes on on the Lord. That's what uh, Peter's asking us to do today. So if you don't mind, I'll just say a prayer for you. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us in the middle of hard times to shine our light. And uh, we pray, Lord, your spirit would give us grace and wisdom to do this. In the name of Jesus, amen. thanks for listening today please subscribe to our podcast share with your friends we would love for you to join our movement all you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us